I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Ask the Coaches podcast. We are doing a little bit of a different type of podcast form today. We've done these in the past with Asking the Coaches. We put up a little question box on our Instagram a few days ago, and we pulled the audience what they wanted us to answer because sometimes it's just better to get uh, these questions directly from you guys so that we know exactly what sort of things you guys are wondering about, and we can answer them directly in a podcast format and maybe just touching a little bit more on them in a personalized way rather than doing some of the posts. So we do a lot of posts on social media where we give tips and everything like that. So this is just kind of adding on to that so you can have some of those benefits that we like to just educate people and share our experiences and help runners. So we wanted to just kick things off by reading what the questions are. I believe we have like five or six questions today. They were all pretty good questions and we'll just go over what those are and then we'll answer them in more detail. So the first question is, how do I get motivation back after your goal race with no other race in mind? So this is actually one of my athletes that I've been working with for a really long time. She submitted this question, but she just did the uh, dopey challenge. So that was like in January and now here we are in February and she's just trying to figure out like, how do I get that motivation? How do I get back in a rhythm of training after like a goal race? And I know a lot of other people are kind of in that situation, maybe taking time off with the holidays or whatnot. The second question is, what is the best diet to eliminate bathroom issues on long runs? And I know we've done a whole podcast episode in the past about bathroom issues on long runs, but we'll just kind of go into some details like quick tips, what you can do to avoid this, um, because I know I've struggled with this in the past as well. The third question is, does a healthy BMI impact performance? So we do have some registered dietitians here at Run for PR, so I'm going to kind of um, paraphrase like what I believe their answers would be to this and what I've heard them talk a lot about on their social medias before. I'm not a registered dietitian um, and definitely these are things like you want to talk with your doctor or a registered dietitian who's really specialized in this area but I can kind of paraphrase what um, our dietitian would say to this answer. The fourth question is, what is your least favorite thing about coaching? And I wasn't really going to answer this one, but I thought maybe it would be an interesting one to just um, throw out there. The fifth question is, I just took two months completely off. Um, do I have to start back from ground zero? And so this individual did take two months off for like health issues. Um, it was something that 
what it wasn't like surgery and it wasn't a running related injury. It was just like a health problem. Um, and now she wants to get back into running. And so we were just going to talk a little bit about for all of the cases, right? Like I've gotten a few messages of people who took time off for having like a really intense case of COVID or taking time off cause like they're injured or whatnot. So we're going to talk about different scenarios if you did take two months off and then how you should start back with your training given um, those various scenarios. And then the sixth question is like, what should I do about knee pain? This is like a super common question. I get people a lot in the inbox that ask like, what do I do about this injury? Or I think I have this, what do I do? Um, and pretty much my answer is going to be the same. Um, again, like we're not doctors, we're not physical therapists, definitely not certified in that area. So the scope of my practice, I don't like diagnose injuries, but I can tell you kind of like where to go and what my recommendation would be in terms of like where you should go and seek treatment. And then obviously what you should do um, with your training during that time. So kicking things off with the first question, how do you get back motivation after your goal race with no other races in mind? So it's February, right? And even in the state of Minnesota, like we do not have races right now. Um, I think the next race coming up is in March. And even that is like iffy because there could be a blizzard, right? So we really in Minnesota typically go several months um, without any sort of races that our state puts on. So if you want to do a race, you really have to like travel for for one, which we've done in the past Mm -hmm. and that's fine. But with that being said, we do kind of have this cadence in our running community where there is this break of there's really not a race to train for, there's not a race on the radar, how do you stay motivated, um, and what do you do to get back in the rhythm of training? Yeah, definitely been there before, right, where you have to figure out um, ways to stay motivated, and this is kind of where you do some deep reflecting, and you search within yourself and find out, like, what gets you excited, um, or why do you run in the first place, you know, and and then, two, maybe this is a time to um, work on some of your weaknesses, and so... I like variety. That's kind of what helps get me through the winter months. So I will structure my training plan with a fair amount of like biking or skiing um, and different types of workouts too. So I'm not just going to be doing, you know, three mile, four mile easy runs all the time. I might do some workouts or um, challenge myself, do some longer runs on occasion. And so just kind of spicing things up, that's kind of what gets me uh, motivated. Um, I've also looked on uh, Strava or other, you know, sites that kind of give you some goals, goal setting that you can do like elevation challenge climbs or mileage goals, that sort of thing. Um, so those would be some advice, you know, pieces of advice that I would say, um, just setting some other goals. Right. There's a lot of ways to mix things up. Um, with motivation or like consistency after a goal race, I'm someone that I just really thrive off having like a weekly goal. So it's like, how many days a week am I going to run? Like roughly, like what sort of mileage do I want to run? And some people like can just kind of thrive off of that. But other people, it's like they need something more, something bigger. And when you don't have necessarily a race on the calendar and you know you're someone who thrives off of having a race on the calendar, I think even for my athlete, I was like, let's let's get some races on the calendar. Let's figure out, because even if you don't have a race for like 10 months or your goal race is in like a year from now, you can still kind of break that down into, okay, where do I want to be six months out from my race? So that gives you like the next six months to really figure out where you want to be training towards. Um, so like, let's say for me, for example, I have like a goal race in the fall, um, that I'm training for. It's like 10 months away or nine months away. 
So I would say, okay, where do I want to be like in three months from now, in four months from now, ramping up for that fall race. And so what that might look like is setting up like shorter distance races, maybe in like two, three, four months from now that you can really train towards. So let's say I was going to get a 5k on the calendar in June, we would want to be doing some like speed workouts, some workouts that are really geared kind of towards that race as it approaches, as it gets closer and using that as motivation. So if I'm not really feeling it or if I'm just kind of feeling like I'm going through the motions, I will always be like, oh, you know, I have this 5k coming up in a few months and I really want to run this time. And just having that kind of like in the back of my mind, it kind of can be like a guiding, like a North star in your training. And so that's why I think it's really good to have a couple of races on the calendar. You don't need to like fill it up completely, but maybe having like two or three on the calendar for the calendar year, especially as we're sitting in February, it can be really good to start trying to stagger that and plan that out so that you have that um, motivational direction. Yeah, I think you said it well when you talked about the weekly process goals um, and having those aligned to like some longer term goals, right? Like if you think you might want to run a half marathon in six months, that sort of thing, just kind of working your way towards that. And so um, if you're unsure of what race distance you want to train for, just find a few shorter races because um, you know, that way you stay motivated, you get the racing experience. Um, for me, I also use this time to maybe, um, you know, listen to podcasts or, um, audiobooks, or I'll run with a friend. So these are all ways that I can kind of hold myself accountable to getting my run in. Yeah. And a lot of people really do thrive off of like the group training or having like those ways that you kind of spice things up. Right. So it is good to take time off after, after a big training cycle, but after you're at that like four to five week mark of it's like, okay, I haven't really done anything. Um, easing back into training. And if you need some motivation to get yourself out there, having an accountability buddy, like that you're going to meet up with once a week or maybe like joining a local running group can be a really good opportunity and i know even in minnesota when it's very very cold out there are groups that will meet um like every saturday at eight o'clock and they do these long runs regardless of the weather um and some of them are called like the polar bears and they meet um over at the chain of lakes and they do like long runs in the winter and even like lifetime fitness i know has training groups that they put on um, local where, running stores. Yeah, yeah, local running stores. So I think it's just a way that you can like get involved in your community. And I know sometimes it can be a little awkward like showing up to like the first run. But usually what I've found is most of the people at most of these group runs are pretty social, welcoming, and there's typically various pace ranges. Um, so maybe you could contact the group leader of these group runs and like ask, hey, do you have people who are running about this pace? And they kind of let you know because they do know that there are some groups that are like more specialized and maybe they only have certain pace groups. But the leader of that group will definitely know if there's someone that you can run with and maybe just shooting out a few emails and getting that set up. Um, can be a really good way to just kickstart things and have that motivation at least one time a week. So moving on to the second question we had, the diet to eliminate bathroom issues on a long run. And I know this can be a really frustrating process um, in terms of having a long run, having a race, and you're having bathroom issues. So just as a like funny backstory, right? Um, I've I've done twenty Gosh, have I done 21 marathons? Okay, I've done 21 marathons, I believe. Yeah, 21, not 22. Um, But during all those marathons, I've only had bathroom issues during one of them. And it was actually one of like my more recent marathons. And so 
this can happen to like any runner, right? So like the first uh, 19 marathons I did, it was like no issue. Like I, I knew exactly what worked for me, but if you come back after some time off, so for me, it was like I was postpartum with my second um, and there was just a lot of like changes that happened with the body. And so as you age or as things happen, um, sometimes these digestive issues or like new food intolerances can kind of like creep up on you. And you really just need to figure out um, like what it is that's maybe causing these things. And so some of like the quick things that I know our registered dietitian would talk about is avoiding fiber in like the 24 hours leading up to that long run. So that's going to be meaning like avoiding salads, avoiding um, anything that's like really fibery. So even like a lot of people think, oh, like brown rice is super healthy, um, but it's actually higher in fiber than some of the other carbohydrate choices that you could be using the day before a long run. And so it's really important to just be conscientious of that. If you're someone that's really struggling with having a lot of bathroom issues um, that you might be wanting to look at that fiber intake and then maybe going more towards like the brat diet, right? Things that really sit well with your stomach, things that are really easily digestible. And then obviously gearing towards more of like the simple carbs. So in order to carbo-load, it's really your body actually um, processes and can store simple carbs faster as glycogen for these long runs. And so thinking about things like pasta and fruit or Gatorade, like a lot of those things that are simple carbs that I think some of like these new diets that are out there, like the keto diet and stuff, they totally like frown upon doing that. But if you're a runner, it's actually beneficial before long runs to be having these simple carbohydrates to help you properly fuel. Yeah. I think, you know, I've kind of been like you where I haven't experienced a lot of bathroom issues over the years, but there's been a few long runs where if I get out early enough in the morning, yeah, I'll have to stop a few miles in. So for me, I always allow extra time in the morning. I want to give my body a chance to kind of empty out everything that I need to get out before um, a race. And sometimes that does involve going three to five times right before the race um, or, you know, within the hours leading up to it. Um, so kind of what I do is I take note of, of um, my runs that go really well, right? And I think about what did, what did I really eat that morning and even the night before, that kind of allow me to feel good and to not have any issues, right? And so kind of knowing uh, the types of foods that just, um, you know, my body handles well. And and then if I do have an issue, I'll kind of reflect back on, you know, what was it that I maybe ate that caused it? Yeah, it was kind of something out of the norm. And so, you know, trying to stick to what you think um, your body knows well and, and trying, you know, obviously you don't want to try anything new the morning of a run or anything like that. Um, if you do want to start to experiment with something new, I wouldn't do it on a long run right away. I would try it first on an easy run or before an easy run. That way you don't have to like ruin your entire run, you know, if it's something that doesn't sit well. Right. Keeping a food log can really help with this too, just to figure out and reflect upon like, what was I eating in like the two days leading up to this long run? Was there anything that could have caused it? Sometimes like spicy food, sometimes things that are high in fiber, um, those things can be, can cause GI distress. But then there's also like that other element there where, you know, if you're kind of in a rush to get out the door for these long runs, I know I've definitely been there cause it's like, we have small kids and you're just trying to like do so much in the morning. Um, sometimes it's like, I didn't have time to go to the bathroom enough to like fully kind of like empty out and be ready for this long run. And so it's going to be really important to make sure that you're setting aside enough time to use the bathroom 
and um, kind of like being in a more relaxed state because if you're like really stressed out, sometimes that can cause like you to not be able to go and yeah, just like a lot of a lot of things that can go into that as well besides just the diet. So I think just focusing on some of those simple carbs, avoiding some of the fiber. Um, and then obviously like with alcohol, right? So like that's a diuretic. We want to make sure we're not, you know, drinking alcohol like the two days before these long runs because that can cause um, GI distress as well. Making sure you're adequately, adequately hydrated and then having some electrolytes, making sure um, that their electrolytes that like sit well with you because I have some friends that like they can't do Gatorade, that sort of thing. So if you're someone that's having trouble and you've tried all of these things, maybe like eliminating some of those sugary drinks like a Gatorade because sometimes people have GI distress from that as well. So the third question, another thing that's kind of related to nutrition, I guess, um, does a healthy BMI impact performance? And so again, I'm not a registered dietitian. Um, it's definitely good to like chat with your doctor before you start any sort of like weight loss program, especially if you're doing like a lot of this running and vigorous exercising. And sometimes working with a registered dietitian towards these goals that you might have is the best route because they can really advise um like if you're under fueling if you're um kind of if your goals make sense for what you um are hoping to achieve both with um, maybe your bmi and with your running performance and it's just really important to fuel the body adequately adequately and so we do have two registered dietitians at run for prs and so you can visit our website www.runforprs.com and then on the drop down work with us fill out that nutrition coaching form and we can get you connected with one of our regist registered dietitians right away because this is definitely a topic that comes up a lot and so we wanted to have experts who could help runners with this but I know our dietitians pretty well and follow a lot of their contents online and I feel pretty confident like paraphrasing what they have said about this in the past. And so fueling your body is a very important part of running, especially if you're running for like performance, right? So if you're training for a marathon or half marathon, you're asking your body to do something that maybe it's never done before or you're really like focused on performance related goals. And so when you're doing that and you're having like very intense exercising goals, it's really important that we don't deprive our body of food. Um, if you're in a caloric deficit, it can be really hard to hit PRs. It can be really hard on the body because there's so much stress going on. Um, so we really want to make sure that people are fueling adequately. Many people start running as adults, right? So let's say you're somebody who started running as an adult because it was like you wanted to lose weight. And that is definitely something that happens. Um, but once you start kind of like crossing that line of like, I really want to like focus on my running performance. Um, there can be a lot of things that creep up here um, in terms of like eating disorders and running. And so in the running community, eating disorders are like extremely prevalent. And so it's really hard to say like hard and fast, like yes, weight loss equals faster times um, because a lot of the times you can get sucked down that rabbit hole of um, thinking that like, oh, if I just weigh less, like I can shave time off. And that's not necessarily the case, right? There are so many factors mm -hmm. at play that it's not like an apples and oranges. Uh, it's like an apples and oranges comparison. And I know sometimes like in the biking and cycling community, there's like this obsession over like who can have the lightest bike, because if you have a lighter mm -hmm. bike, um, you can like go faster. But really, even if you have 
a really great light bike, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be like this amazing athlete. I mean, you have a really expensive road bike, not expensive, but you have a pretty good road bike, but it's not going to like create you into this amazing cyclist. It's like you really have to work hard at the running and I think, or at the cycling. And then over time you might experience like, okay, my body's maybe changing. And when you're fueling in a way that fuels your performance, that's when we really see um, athletes who have great performances. It's because you're really focused on your training, fueling properly and you're tr- you're like really training hard and mm-hmm. when you're able to train hard and have the fueling to back that that is when we see people get better not necessarily the fact that like okay i'm losing weight boom i'm going to be fast and that's that doesn't necessarily happen but sometimes people think there's like this association there because if you first start running you lose some weight when you first start running, regardless of if you're losing weight or not, you're going to see dramatic improvements right away. And so sometimes people think, oh, you know, it's because I was losing weight. But it's like, no, it's because of the law of diminishing returns. And um, you're just going to see a lot of improvement at the beginning of your running career, like regardless. Yeah, I think you unpacked that one really well. And, you know, I, I would never want to talk too much about like the body composition component, but um, I have had a male athlete who it seemed like he wanted to achieve running related goals, but then he also wanted to lose weight. And so he's, you know, asking me a lot of questions about like strength training, cross training, all of these things. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to give advice, especially if I don't know, you know, I don't see what he's eating or Mm -hmm. how much he's eating. And so this is such like an individualized, um, kind of area that I think it is, you're, it's, you're in your best interest to consider uh, working with a dietitian so that you can really dive in and look at like, what are you doing? And what you're doing may be different than other people. And, you know, especially if you can't compare yourself to someone who's maybe of the same weight as you because right. you, your activity levels may be different. Um, there's just so many variables at play. So um, it's yeah. definitely an interesting topic though to think about. Yeah, and it's definitely <clears throat> like outside the scope, I think, of like a running coach, unless you are a running coach and dietitian, which some right. of our registered dietitians here are. But um, I think when you are working with someone that's really specialized in that area, you know that you're doing like doing it safely. And so that's why I think it's really great to work with a registered dietitian because you don't want to do something that's going to put your body at jeopardy. Because I know just friends in the running community, right, who like maybe suffered from disordered eating in the past, It was, a lot of that was like they were trying to manage their weight on their own. And as a result of doing that, it's like they were really like under fueling they ended up with like stress fractures or under eating losing their period all those things um and it can be something that people try to do on their own because they're like oh i'm not gonna you know waste time uh, with a dietitian or that but it is really important because all of the fuel that you're putting in for your body is what's like fueling your running and so you need to be properly fueling and when you start to kind of put yourself in that deficit state that's when a lot of this like burnout um mm-hmm losing a period if you're uh, a female and maybe like even like stress fractures can really start to happen and so I know people that kind of had that experience and now they're they're on the other side of that right like now they're properly fueling their body and they are actually performing at a much higher level um, at a higher BMI or at a higher weight because their body is fueled properly and they're able to actually train properly because they're not in like this depleted state so feeling super important and that's why we have our dietitians here on for prs so um question number four what is your least favorite thing about coaching and actually i wasn't gonna like talk about this question um but 
I did kind of like think of like, okay, what is like one of the hardest things? And I think what it is, coaching is generally like a great time, right? Like we're super lucky to be able to do this. And it's, it's hard for me to even like answer this question. Cause I was like, what is it? Um, but I do think one of the hardest times for me as a coach is in the rare occasion that like someone has a bad race, right? Like that happens, right? Um, whether, you know, it's just, they were in their own head or like they just felt off that day. I mean, I've had bad races and I just know like how terrible it feels to have a bad race. And so the hardest thing as a coach is like if one of your athletes, um, has a tough race and it's just like, you can tell they're in this mental funk. And if, everything you're saying like just isn't um reaching them that is that can be like a really hard part um of coaching and I know more so I think like in the in-person coaching that's when you can really see it um when it's online it's like Mm -hmm. you, you can't really read a person that well so it's not really something that comes up a ton but I know back like when you coached in person at college and there were just some of the things that would pop up like someone um was like seizing up like at one of the races and it's just like that I think that's the hardest part is when like there's these health issues or just things that like are totally out of your control and you can tell the athletes like really upset and worried about it and it's it's just like hard to kind of like walk through that with them um during those hard times but then like when they overcome those things or when you kind of get to the other side that that I mean that's like the most rewarding part of coaching um for sure yeah, anytime an athlete's gonna you know have to deal with an injury that's something i don't like to necessarily see just because i know that it's going to offset some things right and we're going to need to work on on rehabbing um another one would be yeah you mentioned the race performance so if the race didn't go as planned you know as a coach sometimes um you know that maybe um you know maybe the, the mistake lied in the, the pace execution but maybe it was just on like the uncontrollable factors that day like it was mm. just really hot chicago so chicago, chicago last year last is what i'm thinking of right so <laughs> yes. when you have a lot of oh, athletes no. that training goes fairly well oh. and you you're pretty confident that they can hit these goals and then they don't mainly because of the weather that's a hard thing to swallow because not only do you need to um you know help them kind of rebound from that and get them back on the right positive mindset but you you just have to like keep um, hoping that their next day, you know, is going to be a better weather oh day. Gosh, and sometimes yes. with the marathon, they don't get a ton of opportunities, right, to race that distance. So that's a tough one. Yeah, like Chicago, it was really uh, that. I mean, that day was hard as a coach, just because I knew like the weather was really tough, and like I was watching the weather all day, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh no, like it's just <laughs> not fair because. A lot of our athletes, like, they, they train so hard in the summer, and it's like, we hope and pray that, like, it's going to be great weather on race day. And then, of course, like, there are just uncontrollable factors. Like, it was um, in the 80s that day. And, you know, you did have some good performances, but for the most part, like, that type of heat is not going to lead to fastest times or the times that they were capable of running. And in the marathon distance, it's like you only get so many attempts at that. So that can be really hard just because it's like you put, you literally train for like five to six months for this race. And then you are left with that like uncontrollable thing that happens. And so you hope that an athlete like still has that like hope and fire within them. But like that, I think the hardest part as a coach watching that Mm -hmm. day was like hoping that everyone was still going to like have that fire. Everyone wasn't going to just... Um, like walk away from the sport or something because I do know like sometimes when it, there's really hard race days that it can really crush someone um, for yeah. longer than you know a couple of months it can like take someone maybe even out of the sport for 
a year because when you put so much emotional and like um, physical energy into training for something and it just totally um, you just have like this uncontrollable like you're blindsided by it that's when um, it can be it can just be tough but um, mainly a lot of really positive good things about mm-hmm. coaching so the fifth question is I just took two months off do I have to start back from ground zero and so actually for anyone who's listening and like you've been in this situation or you know someone in this situation we have a free six-week training plan on our website that is called building from the ground zero and so I thought it was kind of funny how she worded this so like ground zero so if you ever feel like you're at ground zero and like you need help building back if you go to www.runforprs.com and then our drop down menu where it says free programs and you just click on build from ground zero you can get that free plan emailed to you directly and so it really just depends on like why you took the two months off, right? So usually when it's like a medical related thing where you have to take um, two months off, it's really going to be starting back from ground zero. And I think that's the safest way that you can start back. And so what that's going to look like is like run walks. We're going to start with walking, right? So if you haven't even been walking, um, we're going to do like a 20, 30 minute walk, see how you feel. Really easing back into things. From there, it's like we can start doing some run-walk intervals, and if you download the program, you would see we start with like 30, 60 seconds um, running intervals, followed by some walking. And then even if you're like at an elite or sub-elite level, most of the time you're still going to be starting back with like those run-walks. Yeah, I think it'll depend on what was your background prior to the time off, right? And you know, just how much time off are we talking? And was the time off? Uh, due to an injury or due to like just you know life situation that sort of thing were you staying active in other areas too because let's say you did some cross training you were at the gym you know you might be able to maybe progress back a little bit quicker than than let's say if you were completely sedentary so we kind of factor all those all those um things into play and then you know craft a plan and the the nice thing about you know working with a coach to help kind of progress back is like you know yeah we lay out the plan about four to five weeks at a time but based on how week one goes or week two goes, we can always adjust things. And so if athletes are more sore than usual, maybe we pump the brakes a little bit and we come back a little bit more conservatively. Or if they are acting like they're holding back and they want to be doing more and more, and um, then we can maybe just pump in a little bit more. And so it's just it's just nice to have the, the training peaks plan as a way to kind of monitor and to track. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of variation mm-hmm. that can happen for the two months off, right? Mm-hmm. So it can also depend on like what what was going on before that too so like a lot of my um, postpartum runners right they come back to me after two months off because they just gave birth but they're starting from like a totally different spot than like someone who took two months off because like they had the flu and then maybe they got sick again and then they just like went on a vacation Um, because when you're going through like a pregnancy and then you're taking two months off we're talking like almost a full year of like not being um like at 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 like a yourself level right you um probably gonna have to do some like core rehab with that plan you are going to really be easing back in very very slowly and so your build if you took two months off for having a baby or something or like having a major surgery is going to be a lot slower than like the athlete who took two months off because maybe they got sick and then they like went on a couple of vacations but they've been cross training and stuff and so that's why we say working with a coach is good because we can really like assess 
like what you were doing, you know, even in like the six months prior to you taking the two months off, because that can also um, really impact how you're going to move forward, right? So if you're someone for like those six months leading to the two months off, you were running like 60 miles a week, (laughs) it's going to look a lot different. Um, Like your build on week three or four than someone who, you know, was Mm -hmm. maybe running five miles a week and yeah so it's just a slow build um we want to do it safely and so yeah you can like ramp back up pretty aggressively but we don't necessarily recommend that as coaches we want it to be like the safest approach and we're always looking for like your long-term benefit right so we're never going to like take shortcuts um and i know you know physically yeah it probably is possible to take some of these shortcuts but is it worth what could potentially happen to you if you skipped some of the steps and so you really have to ask yourself and and question like is it worth having to take another month off or having to take more time off or would you rather ramp back slowly and safely and have like that strong base and foundation to really make sure we're not going to accidentally get hurt in the process of coming back yeah i know for athletes who you know the reason they want to start up is because they have a race on the calendar Mm -hmm. that they want to do you know in x number of weeks or months they tend to want to push the envelope a bit more and come back faster right so just kind of being aware of like why you're starting up again and um, your history and making sure that it is a progressive build because you don't want to overdo it right and there's always another race right so Mm -hmm. i think it was 2014 we were supposed to run the chicago marathon and i was having some knee pain that i like didn't get checked out and you know i kind of made a decision in august like this is this just is not going to happen right so i did have to kind of take some time off there um, where I like rehabbed the injury. And so, yeah, it was really devastating to like not be able to run the Chicago marathon. And still here I am like almost eight years later, I still haven't ran the Chicago marathon. So, but it was like the best decision for me. And even by October, like, yeah, I probably could have ran the marathon, but I knew it just wasn't going to be like the experience that I wanted it Mm -hmm. to be. It was like going to be too risky. I'd rather have time to, build slowly, get that base established. And then I ended up running a marathon in January, three months later. And so it's like, there's always another marathon, but you really only have one body. And so we really want to be smart with what we're doing and base that off of like what your long-term goals are, right? So if you don't have any long-term goals in the sport and your goal is like, I just want to run this one marathon and then I don't care what I do like the next year or two years, maybe the answer is going to be different but for me i'm always looking out for like the long-term benefits because most people really want to be runners for a long time they don't want to have to take time off so we're trying to like negate the risk as much as possible um and then the sixth question so what should i do about knee pain so you might have heard me um in the previous post talking about like oh i had like some knee pain in in the summer of 2014 um eight years ago here and i was actually very um naive and very concerned about this knee pain and so obviously when you're young naive and kind of dumb right i just um tried to like ignore it and so that is like what you don't want to do and so we are not doctors we're not physical therapists it's outside of the scope really to like diagnose an injury but I can share with you um, that story and maybe like what I learned um, from that process so I kind of like ignored this knee pain because I was really concerned Um, a lot of people talk about oh like runner's knees or like 
running is bad for your knees. And so as newer to the sport, right, I had only been running for about five years, I was very worried that I had like done something to my knee or that there was going to be something wrong with my knee and I was going to need like knee replacement surgery. I was going to be told like, you can't run anymore. Um, And it was really frustrating. Like I could still run, but it was like around mile five or six, there would be like this stabbing knee pain. And like, I was trying to like Google diagnose. I was trying to figure out, I was trying to do it myself. Um, and eventually, you know, just broke down, went to um, physical therapy, went to active release, went to see someone who did active release therapy. And, you know, as I went through that whole process of like getting a diagnosis and rehabbing it, what I learned was that like really these people who specialize in athletes, like they, they have seen it all. And so like you might think your situation is so unique, but they know exactly the questions to ask, exactly the tests to run, and they can pretty much figure out what sort of treatment plan is going to work. And I was actually like pretty much recovered after like three to five weeks of treatment. Um, And if I would have just gone right away when I felt the pain, I would have been able to run that Chicago marathon. But because I didn't go in right away, it's like it just kind of sat there and didn't get any better. Um, And it didn't get better with rest. And so knee pain people are probably like oh what was it what was it so it was actually like I had tendonite or like a a tight spot in my quad basically they said it was tendonitis like a very minor case and so really all they had to do was like work out a knot in my quad and that was it and so here I was thinking oh I have like a meniscus tear like I tore, tore something to my knee and I need surgery but really it was something as simple as no, you just have like some scar tissue build up in your quad that needed to be worked out. Um, and so that was, that's just my story. And that's why we do not diagnose things online, right? It's, it's pretty much impossible to figure out what's going on with someone's knee. There are so many things that it could be, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you would just Google search like knee pain when running, you're going to get so many different results. And so that's why it's really important to go into someone who specializes in working with athletes hopefully they've worked with runners before and just get to know who that is in your area right like have this person that you can go to and the person who cured kind of that knee related or the quad injury that I thought was a knee injury um, I've gotten to him so many times over the last few years if something like flares up because he does specialize working with runners and so it can just be a really good thing to have in the back of your pocket a relationship with a solid PT in your area because Mm -hmm. you might have like little niggles that like flare up and you just want to get checked out um especially if you're you're running for like decades right some something's bound to to happen eventually maybe Mm -hmm. you're really lucky and it doesn't but sometimes they just things just flare up um and it's always better to get it checked out by someone right away yeah establish that relationship with a professional that you can go to um and you know Think of think of these things as more like preventative. So right. you know, most injuries are under so many different classes. But for me, I think of it kind of in my own head as like kind of three different levels, right? Like level one is something I can uh, that kind of is bothering me, but I can run through it pretty much pain free, and it may be a little sore after the run. Level two would be like something that's kind of minor; it kind of hurts while I'm running a little bit. Or level three would be like I can't run at all. So um, going and getting a diagnosis is really important, and then you know helping treat you know a level one to preventing it from becoming a level two or three that's kind of how i look at injuries um and sometimes you can have something like a strain and it can feel like super it can feel probably more painful than if you had a stress fracture right and so you think something's really really wrong um but 
you can treat it. And these professionals, they know how to treat it and they can get you back running sooner than maybe you thought you could. And so I think it's really important to, um, you know, get that accurate diagnosis so that you're not, you know, doing like exercises that's targeting something else when really you should be doing certain exercises to target that area. You know what I mean? So most PTs will prescribe you exercises as long as it's not like a bone or a, you know, fracture, something like that. So. Right. And that's why it's important to rule that out too, because I mean, I have a story of a friend Mm. who always thought she had like shin splints or whatever. Um, and then she like went in and like, she had like a stress, like multiple stress fractures in her shin Mm -hmm. because she was just like, Oh, this is, um, like shin splints. And she actually did like an ultra marathon, while she thought she had shin splints, but it was actually um, like multiple stress reactions. Anyways, so she had to take several months off from running um, and it was a really like devastating news. And so that's why I think it is really important to like go in, get it checked. And if you do think it's bone related or if the person who's diagnosing you like isn't um, isn't doing tests where they could make sure it's not bone related, mm-hmm. um, I would maybe get a second opinion too right. because sometimes there are certain places you go where they don't even really like check that or they don't kind of ask those questions. Um, and that's why it's important just to kind of like rule that out because you don't always need to get imaging right away, but someone mm-hmm. like a medical professional who can do some tests to, or ask you some questions to figure out like, is this something like we should probably image or not? Um, so I think right. that's also really important to, to know is don't self-diagnose. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So this was a fun episode. We had six questions. I feel like that's the most questions we've ever done on Ask the Coaches podcast. We'll probably be doing another one of these in a month or two. I think it's on the schedule. So if you ever have any questions, feel free to like reach out to our Instagram page or shoot us an email. We would love to answer your question on questions on one of the next Ask the Coaches podcast. But in the meantime, you know, if you're curious about working with a coach or seeing what our training plans are like. We actually have a special going on in February that we've never done before. So instead of like the traditional one week trial, we're actually gonna give away a two week trial. So this allows you an opportunity to have two weeks of free training so you can really get a feel for what it is. So this is a really great value and we're only doing this in February. So make sure you get in and try this out during this month because you're gonna get two weeks for free Um, So if you're interested in that, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com and we can get you connected with a coach and starting that two-week free trial only in the month of February for free right away. So thanks for tuning in to this week's episode.